Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week, where all week long we've been celebrating National FFA Week. I'm farm broadcaster Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. On today's show, C.J. Miller and I will share how Indiana's pork and poultry producers are educating students about their respective industries this FFA week. We'll provide an update on farm bill advocacy in Washington, D.C., and Sabrina Halverson gives an update on fake meat. Andy Eubank discusses another disappointing week in the grain markets later this segment. And of course, Ryan Martin is here with his Indiana Farm Forecast. As I mentioned off the top, this is National FFA Week, a time to share what FFA is and the impact it has on members every day. FFA chapters across the country are celebrating in different ways, and FFA alumni have been celebrating in my Facebook feed with old pictures of them. Whoa, that hair. Or of new pictures of them trying to put on that old jacket. Almost as funny as some of the hair that I've seen. National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan says the week is a great time to reflect and celebrate the organization that has brought such wonderful opportunities and memories. When I think back to my time at Corona High School, or the Corona FFA chapter in Michigan, I'm quick to think of the fun celebrations that we had during FFA week. My favorite being our Ag Olympics game that we had during FFA week. And so during uh, Ag Olympics, we would have a hay bale toss. We would have pie face, which is where it's a competition of who can fish out the most gummy bears out of a pan of pudding or, you know, pop chugging, the list went on. And during Ag Olympics, as a chapter, we were able to just celebrate and be together during a week that ultimately is here because of our wonderful organization. National FFA Week is also a good time for members to focus on recruitment. Grant Norfleet, National FFA Secretary from Missouri, says FFA is more than just an ag organization. It's helping mold the next generation of leaders who will change the world. Whether you have a connection to production agriculture or not, at the end of the day, we're going to provide students the opportunities to be successful for any career in and outside of agriculture. Yes, we have agricultural literacy roots, but we're providing students the opportunity to gain skills and knowledge so they can, yes, be better advocates and consumer for our industry, but ultimately we're going to provide them the opportunities to be a successful uh, functioning member of society, which I think is really important in this day. We certainly hope you had a great National FFA week. A lot of tractors in high school parking lots this week. Some livestock there, too. And, of course, a lot of blue on Wear Blue Day on Friday. FFA, of course, is about education. That's what Indiana Pork provided earlier this week as well. They hosted Students Wednesday at the Jasper County Fairgrounds from the Indiana Ag and Tech School to discuss career opportunities in the pork industry. They could work in feed nutrition, they could work in genetics. If they have a mechanically inclined mind, there's maintenance crews, and maybe also too if they have an interest in policy, there's a lot of opportunity in advocacy. That's Chad Martin, Indiana Pork's Director of Strategic Outreach. He says the partnership with the Indiana Ag and Tech School is a natural fit for collaboration with students who are already interested in coming into the ag industry. In partnership with the Indiana Soybean Alliance, Indiana Pork conducted a study to help combat labor shortages experienced at the production level. Martin explains. We found that uh, with the study that if we attract them and expose them younger, the 13 to 15 year olds, that we have a, a chance to maybe capture their interest 
earlier on and then also to provide them a, an avenue and maybe try to find coursework opportunities and maybe work-based learning and internships while they are still in high school. Uh, so those are some things that we have gleaned from some of this work in, in the study that we conducted. Martin encouraged the students to find an internship or part-time job with a pork producer or company to expose them more to the industry. They heard the story of Indiana Pork Board member Micah Rinder from Rensselaer, who started as a power washer before quickly rising the ranks into farm management. It's our role in Indiana Pork is to shed light on those opportunities, maybe be a connector and help find those young people uh, to find a path to, to make those connections. And maybe this is, it's in their backyard and they didn't even know that those opportunities existed for a, a rewarding and positive career in the industry. The Indiana Ag and Tech School offers hybrid and virtual learning options for 7th through 12th graders. They now have over 400 students enrolled. If you want to learn more about their program, find this story at HoosierAgToday.com. Pork, bacon, that's real meat. That's the good stuff. That's my jam. But by now, we've all heard about fake meat, lab meat, cultivated meat, cell-cultured meat, whatever you want to call it, it's out there. The question now becomes, how do we label the product when it's on your grocery store shelves? Here's Sabrina Halverson. At last week's USDA Agriculture Outlook Forum session on cell-cultured meat, an audience member asked the question of how far will labeling go? Will labels say not only cell-cultured, but also if the original animal the cells came from was grass-fed or free-range? Are we looking at a future where you're going to have to have a cultured label and a conventional label? And also, are we looking at a point where you may have cells taken from grass-fed cattle that then can be labeled as a grass-fed cell-cultured uh, product or a range-free chicken or something along those lines. The answers? Here's speaker William Hallman, professor at the School of Environmental and Biological Sciences at Rutgers University. So I think it's a really interesting question. Grass-fed and free-range would be how they're raised. I have questions about Angus and Kobe, and I don't have an answer to that. I'm going to look to USDA to figure that out. And speaker Brian Ronholm, director of food policy at Consumer Report. You know, it depends, you know, from a company's marketing standpoint, whether they want to go in that direction. But from a consumer standpoint, it would seem to me misleading. Like, sure, you're using cells from an animal that was grass fed or free range, what have you. But ultimately, the final product is cultivated in a lab environment. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Sabrina Halverson. And I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today. You're listening to Hoosier Ag This Week. The Indiana Farm Forecast with Ryan Martin is on the way, but now it's time to talk about the grain markets. Another disappointing week. Seems like a bad game of limbo for these corn and soybean markets. How low can we go? I don't really like to be the bearer of bad news, so I'll welcome in Andy Eubank. Why, thank you, Eric. What an honor and a privilege to announce that we finished the week under $4 on front month corn. It was uh, indeed another rough week. We'll have the settlements from Friday trade coming up. First, market analysis. I grabbed that in the middle of the Friday session from Brian Basting at Advanced Trading. Liquidation continues, really an ugly mess throughout the week. And I noticed the March corn contract went below $4 on Friday. So things are looking a little bit bleak. And you have to wonder at this point, when is the buying going to come in as we reach these levels we're currently at? Well, I think there's a combination of factors, as you said, at work, Andy, triggering the liquidation. We've got the, um, the first notice day for, for March corn futures is next week. We've also got some basis contracts 
that are out there that the producers are having to make decisions on. Um, they've kind of pushed them into an uncomfortable spot where they, they either have to roll those options out, roll those contracts out, and, and basically take a pretty big hit or liquidate, and which is bearish uh, either way, but uh, more so bearish if they liquidate. But point being is that we have seen some, some massive liquidation here. Psychologically, I would just say, Andy, maybe some end users are putting their toe in the water at $4 here. I think that that's just a good point where probably some of them are at least sampling the sampling the, the market there and and I obviously I can't say by any means that for certain that that's that's uh, any type of bottom but I think some type of, of consolidation perhaps at that level but um, we are in an interesting environment where all those things are coming into play here again with March futures especially next week that um, it's hard to predict what may happen over the next week but for the time being, um, I think some end users are at least, at least testing the waters at $4. Brian Basting, economist at Advanced Trading. And you can get Brian at 309-664-2314. Settlements now. Six and a quarter lower on March corn Friday. It ends below $4 at $3.99 and three quarters. May contract, $4.13 and a half, a nickel lower. And July, four and a half down, $4.26 and a quarter. March beans, $11.33, 14 and three quarters lower. May down a dime and three quarters at $11.41 and three quarters. And March wheat, $5.73 and a half, another nine and three quarters lower. The meats ended the week mostly higher. April live cattle 187.90 up a dollar 35 and april lean hogs flat at 87.20 all the deferreds up about a half dollar on the weekend show you're up to date on the markets with much more still to come i'm andy eubank this is who's your ag this week for many of you here in indiana agriculture is your life's work and legacy i'm bruce kettler president and ceo of the agribusiness council of indiana Throughout my career, I've been immersed in Indiana agriculture and appreciate the role that ACI plays on behalf of Indiana agribusinesses. ACI is the proactive voice for agribusiness, and we invite you to join us in our mission. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Do you have an interest in taking your hay or livestock operation to the next level but need some help doing it? Then head out to the Hay and Livestock Expo hosted by Reynolds Farm Equipment, March 15th from 8 to 3 at the Boone County Fairgrounds. Join them for free lunch and hear from speakers, visit over 15 vendor booths, win door prizes, and more. Pre-register for a chance to win a roll of net wrap and hay knife. To register or for more information, visit events.reynoldsfarmequipment.com slash hay-livestock-expo-24. We're trying to experience three of the four seasons in about two to three days. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. Waking up to some snow in the Hoosier State this morning as a minor disturbance passed us southward through the area overnight. Came out of southern Wisconsin, across Illinois, and into the heart of Indiana. So a little bit of wet and light snow, and that's indicative of temperatures. Look, we're waking up this morning to temperatures that are probably going to be no better than the lower to middle 30s today. And this comes after us being in the low to mid and even in some cases upper 60s just a few days ago last week. Now, this cold air surge doesn't last very long. We're going to start to see temperature moderation tomorrow already. And we're back to very mild air for Monday and Tuesday. 
Moving through those days, we do have a little bit of precipitation. So clouds and limited sun on Monday with a few pop-up hit and miss showers. Tuesday, better organized rains trying to work through the area. Anywhere from a quarter to half an inch of rain Tuesday morning to midday. And then we have a massive frontal boundary coming through overnight Tuesday night into early Wednesday. That's going to trigger additional rain and thunderstorms, a quarter to one inch, but also a sharp drop in temperatures because of that strong gusty winds on the way. So we're going to experience back and forth here. Now, remember, we talked about the front having a very sharp fall in temperatures. Let me draw you back upstream to what's going to go on in Oh, let's say eastern North Dakota, western Minnesota, and when this frontal boundary comes through there late Monday afternoon. Monday's highs are going to be in the mid-40s up there. They drop to a low of about 15, and then that 15-degree level is the high for the next day. On Tuesday, they go all the way down to a negative 5 to negative 10. So that's the kind of air mass we're dealing with here, anywhere from 40 to 50 degree temperature falls. So if you put that into consideration here, and it's not going to be that extreme, but still big drops in temperatures. We may be in the 50s with rain on Tuesday, but we're probably not doing much better than the low 30s or even mid 20s on Wednesday afternoon across our region here and definitely seeing some very cold overnight temperatures. Gear up for it. However, those cold temperatures are only going to be here about two days. I think by the time we get to Friday, we're going to see temperatures moderating. If you're planning on partaking in the Purdue Small Farm Conference on Thursday and Friday, decent days to be inside at that because it's cold on Thursday and Friday. We're just starting to warm, but we'll be very mild then for the following weekend, the first weekend of March with mixed clouds and sunshine. And we keep the warmth around through that first full week of March. I'm watching a system in the Pacific Northwest to Sunday the 3rd may show up here if it can hold up together through the mountains midweek. I'm Ryan Martin. It's like fertilizer for your brain. Every weekday morning, the Hoosier Ag Today email newsletter arrives in your inbox with the latest farm news, markets, and weather information, the kind of stuff you're going to need that day. So make sure you're feeding your brain with this free, easy to read, and important input. Sign up for the Hoosier Ag Today email newsletter at HoosierAgToday.com and the Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. And earlier this week, the EPA approved the year-round sale of E15 ethanol fuel blends in eight Midwestern states beginning in 2025. And those states are Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. And even though Indiana isn't among those eight states, it may be a boost to Indiana's 14 ethanol facilities. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com and the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. Well, with 2024 being an election year and Republicans and Democrats drawing lines in the sand over funding, many ag leaders are concerned that a new farm bill may not get done again this year. Eric Pfeiffer has more. The best thing you can do is reach out to your elected official and tell them how the farm bill is important to your farm. That's Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval, who says it's critical that Congress finish a farm bill 
this year. Farm Bill is essential to our farmers and ranchers as it ensures funding for risk management tools that are important to them. Farmers and ranchers need and deserve a modernized Farm Bill that reflects changes our industry has gone through in the last five years. Duvall says Farm Bureau members are sending a clear message to Congress. The Farm Bill can't wait. We ask our members to step up to the plate to advocate for this issue, and boy, have they done that. Our members have sent more than 10,000 messages to their senators and representatives asking them to get the Farm Bill done. And he encourages all farmers to get involved in Farm Bill advocacy. You can share your story about how the Farm Bill has helped you and what you would like to see written in the new Farm Bill. If you're not already a Farm Bureau member, we encourage you to join us by going to your local county Farm Bureau and getting involved with the grassroots. Take action today by reaching out to your elected officials. You can do that by finding this story and clicking on the link at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. When it comes to conservation efforts across the state, Indiana's farmers are among the leading practitioners, but also so are Indiana's foresters and woodland owners. And one agency that's leading the way in those conservation efforts is the Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape. The Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape is a partnership of government and private entities that come together to support sustainable rural uses of our land, which in turn supports the missions and training that occur on our critical military installations in Southern Indiana. And that's Michael Spaulding, Program Coordinator with the Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape, which is part of the Conservation Law Center in Bloomington. And those major federal agencies involved include the U.S. Departments of Agriculture, Defense, and Interior. Spalding's territory covers more than three and a half million acres across southern Indiana, including the land in and around Camp Atterbury and the Crane Naval Facility. The southern Indiana Sentinel landscape has recently received funding from the USDA's Regional Conservation Partnership Program. The RCPP is a program opportunity through the Natural Resources Conservation Service. They put this funding out there that partners can coalesce around, put together a compelling need and a project for, and then use those resources to support conservation activities by farmers, producers, forest owners to implement practices on their land to make their operations more sustainable. And that funding from the RCPP will restore over 25,000 acres of forest land and increase sustainable farming practices on tens of thousands of acres. So the RCPP uh, will have opportunities for cropland practices. Cover crops is one of the best-known examples that farmers can tap into. And then on the woodland side, we have activities like forest stand improvement and brush management, which uh, helps get invasive species under control. Spalding gives a great deal of credit to the Indiana Forestry and Woodland Owners Association, or IFWO for short, in spreading the word about conservation efforts and letting woodland owners know about the resources that are available to help with those efforts. They are connecting with those landowners. I make connections directly with landowners through them, and, and they promote these practices out to them. And, and just in conversations I've had with these great landowners, uh, it, it really resonates how that message is getting out there. And it's getting out there to a large number of people. So, so by them being able to combine that outreach power 
with us bringing new resources into Indiana for this work, uh, we're really going to see some benefits over the next five years. Spalding says another component of what he and his team are setting out to accomplish is the restoration of thousands of acres of oak trees across southern Indiana. What it is about oak trees that is so important and so important to remember is that they're the keystone of the ecosystem. So we often talk about them, but it's not to their own end. The insects that they host, the wildlife that depend on those insects, the plant communities that grow underneath of those specific types of trees all rely on this keystone. And as we begin to lose oak out of our forest, we lose the keystone that is holding it together. So that's why it's so critical to keep that dominance on the landscape. You can hear my full conversation with Michael Spaulding from Southern Indiana Sentinel Landscape, as well as a link to find their website and additional information. It's all at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, we're about a week and a half away from a big event that celebrates Indiana's farm community. It's very important that we not only recognize agriculture and its importance in the community, but then also the leadership positions that it takes. And that's Scott Gabbard, County Extension Director and Ag Educator with Purdue Extension, Shelby County. The Taste of Shelby County Agriculture event is set for Wednesday, March the 6th. It's going to be at Horseshoe Racing and Casino in Shelbyville beginning at 5.30. And this year's event will feature an Indiana Agriculture All-Star panel moderated by yours truly as we discuss Indiana ag policy, planting, pricing, and other topics impacting farmers and ag businesses. We have uh, Courtney Kingery, who is the CEO of uh, Indiana Corn and Soybean Checkoffs. We have Don Lamb, the director of ISDA, as well as Kendall Culp, who is a state representative and also the vice president for Indiana Farm Bureau. Also part of the Indiana Ag All-Star Panel, Bruce Kettler. He's the president and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Dr. Michael Langemeyer, Purdue Ag Econ Professor and Associate Director of the Purdue Center for Commercial Agriculture. And Mike Silver with Kokomo Grain. The audience will have the chance to ask questions of the panel during the event, which also serves as a fundraiser for Shelby County Ag Promotion. And that it supports 4-H programs, it supports uh, Purdue Extension programming, it uh, supports all five of our FFA programs and the uh, schools. And then beyond that, they have uh, two renewable scholarships that they have for kids. Sponsorship opportunities and tickets are still available for this event. And you can find more information at our website, HoosierAgToday.com. Coming up, you'll hear from Dr. Elizabeth Karcher, an animal sciences professor at Purdue who has developed a new website and a new educational program to teach young kids about Indiana's poultry industry. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. And it's always like clean oil because most of my stuff leaks. So, yes. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. To agriculture. We go from the cute and cuddly phase to the not so cute and cuddly phase. After you that. can cuddle with them at 290 pounds. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably against your will, I'm guessing. And, well, other things. He calls them all variable costs. That's bull. <laughs> I think you meant to say that's fertilizer, right? Staying on topic. Listen now on all platforms. Thank you again for joining us this weekend here on Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm C.J. Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. And according to the USDA's latest census of agriculture that came out last week, Indiana remains number one in the U.S. for duck production and now ranks third in the U.S. for turkey production. 
And that certainly makes Indiana's poultry sector a significant part of the state's ag economy. Joining us here today on Hoosier Ag Today is Dr. Elizabeth Karcher. She's a professor of animal sciences at Purdue University. She's also been working to educate young kids across the state about Indiana's chicken, turkey, duck, and egg industries. And Dr. Karcher, in terms of your animal science students at Purdue, what are some of the things that you and your team have been doing to bring about a greater awareness of Indiana's poultry sector? So we've done quite a bit with our undergraduate students, um, just providing them with opportunities to engage with the industry here on our campus. We take our students off campus to other events um, where there'll be folks from the turkey industry that they'll be able to engage with um, and then offer, like I said, on campus, the more traditional type courses where they get to really learn about how important the industry is to Indiana. So we really focus on our students when they get here trying to get them engaged and aware of all the opportunities that are out there for them. Um, before they get here, though, I also am really interested in how we can look at children that are in grades, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, and also in high school, and how we can expose them to where their food comes from, where does turkey come from, you know, what opportunities are there to learn more about turkey. Um, and so since coming to Indiana, um, as my position here at Purdue University, um, I've been really interested in what can we do to just expose children um, before they get here, um, and what can we do when they get here, um, just to make them aware of all the opportunities because they're not aware right now. And Dr. Karcher, you talk about that educational component. You and your team have put together a new website. It's, it's an awesome website. It's poultryeducationcorner.com that includes a POLT program section, as you mentioned, for fourth and fifth graders. What are some of the successes you've encountered from the pilots of the POLT program and some of the successes of the new website as well? Sure. So the new website, it just launched last month. Um, so we're just now sharing it out there and at poultryeducationcorner.com. All the resources are freely available to anybody around the world who'd like to use them. And we're really proud of that, being able to offer those resources uh, for free. So they're very, they should be very accessible. In addition to the POLT program, it offers three other programs that teachers, um, FFA leaders, 4-H leaders might be able to incorporate into their programs. And so as part of the the Holt program, we went through and we worked with the turkey industry. We worked um, with an advisory board who provided us um, just with review of all the different materials that we had prepared, uh, making sure everything really represented um, not only the side that I would like to share, but also the industry side and what they would like to share about the important work that they're doing. And then we were really excited because for this program in 2021, we actually piloted the program um, to about 475 students in fourth and fifth grade across the state of Indiana. So that was about 25 classrooms. So the program consists of several online modules that a teacher can use. It has a simulation game that's included, and as well as um, we provide resources to do an in-class activity as well with the students. So the teachers can have the students work independently on the modules during class time, but then bring them together to really discuss what did you just learn, and they can do a really an engaging um, interactive activity together. So using information that we got feedback from the students and the teachers, 
um, we made any needed changes. And so the pulp program that's available on the website is a result of this really a one-year process of designing the curriculum, implementing it, working with the advisory board. Um, and so that's why we're so excited to be able to really share it and make it a free available resource to anybody who is able to download, register and download it on the website. And you mentioned that brand new website, poultryeducationcorner.com. There's one simulation game that's on the website called Backpacking Through the Turkey Digestive System which is an absolutely fascinating simulation game you've got on the site. I love this program because I also have young children and they like to play it as well after we developed it. A student, they get to pick from one of three different feed characters and they go through the digestive system on a backpack quest. So they have to answer questions, they gather things along the way, and it's just a really fun way to let them see, okay, when, it, when you're feeding turkeys and they're eating, what's the process? So being able to take kind of more complex ideas and being able to integrate them um, to a way that a fourth and fifth grader can understand. Once again, Dr. Elizabeth Karcher, Purdue Animal Sciences Professor, and that website, PurdueEducationCorner.com. You can also find a link at our website, HoosierAgToday.com. And Dr. Karcher, thank you so much for joining us here today on Hoosier Ag Today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. If you missed any part of today's show, you can download the podcast version at HoosierAgToday.com. Also download the new Hoosier Ag Today mobile app. It's a free download for iPhone and Android. For Eric Pfeiffer, Andy Eubank, Sabrina Halverson, and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network.